Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Hey, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with the Building to Scale podcast, where I get the opportunity really to speak with entrepreneurial business leaders, influencers, and just hear their stories, exchange stories with them about uh, both challenges and success as they've grown and scaled their business to where it is today. So, Today's guest with me here is Mr. Tim Sigil with Sales Chain out of the Connecticut area. So, Tim, first off, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit more about yourself and about Sales Chain these days. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I, uh, Sales Chain is a business workflow automation solution. A lot of words yeah. to say that we help businesses sell more stuff. And so we're very proud to have been in business for nearly 20 years. And so we serve customers in, I believe, 46 states and three Canadian provinces. So we, uh, we're very proud of the fact that we have uh, a lot of customers in a lot of places, and we've had them for, in many cases, uh, over 14, 15 years. Nice. So, yeah, if they're staying around that long these days, especially, then they're, you're doing something right, for sure. Absolutely. You know, we have, as I said, you know, I always reference one of my favorite customers is the largest Canon dealer in the country and a company called Gordon Flesh. And, you know, they could go anywhere. And I'm very proud to call them our customer. And we have been uh, their customer. They've been our customer for over 16 years. So. So how did all this kind of get started? Was this what, what was the genesis for starting the company? You know, the genesis was real simple. I had uh, just actually sold my first company which was called Nova Metric and Development Group. And I took a little bit of time off. And in my career, what I had been doing is technology development and integrating technology with, with sales, okay? So I was kind of balancing between sales and technology and, and I was with GE Capital. And then I started my first company, Nova Metric. And so I, with GE Capital, I was able to help big companies do things um, if they were doing business with GE Capital, okay? And then my, 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 my first company, Novametric, I created a point of sale credit financing module kind of uh, for integrating with sales. And again, I was able to sell that product and serve customers so long as you were doing business with one of my customers. And so after I sold that company, I kind of woke up one day and said, I'm tired of being limited. Uh, uh, I simply want to help people sell stuff. I don't care who they are. I don't care who they're selling to. I don't care what they sell. And so... I sat down one day and started a sales chain and, and with the concept of supply chain management, you know, being all encompassing, I basically said, I want to help anybody who wants to sell something, sell it better and fulfill it better. And so that was the premise of creating sales chain uh, nearly 20 years ago. Interesting. Yeah. Now it's, it always comes out of some kind of a need or something we experience. So yeah, that's, it's always interesting hearing everybody's where, where the idea came from. Well, it's funny. Yeah, I remember I had an advisor who 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 had worked with me for a number of years when I sold my first company, and uh, he he called me up one day. It was funny. I was just you know vacationing, quite frankly, and he's like, "Hey, I've got a guy who's got a uh, you know got an idea that's kind of down your you know avenue of of interest," 
And so I, I, I said, well, I'm going out to Arizona for vacation. And uh, he's like, well, he happens to live in Arizona. Would you take a meeting with him? And so that was really kind of where it started. Uh, Billy came over with an idea and I said, I like your idea, but it's, it's very narrow. And I said, I think I want to do more, uh, but I do like your idea. And, uh, and that kind of got me motivated to, 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 to get off of the vacation bench and get back into the creative mode. That's uh, the it's it's the visionary right there, and all of us right there is new idea. What what can we go chase at this point? So what? How has that kind of evolved? Because you said obviously twenty years or 19, 19 plus years now, but still, what's the what's the evolution been of the company? Was it right off the bat? Did you have a team, or did, was this just you working on it, or how does how does oh that grow over years? No, you know, as with every uh, you know idea, it starts with somebody, and you know, obviously, it started with me and 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 one folding table desk and a computer and, and, uh, and it grew. And, you know, our focus has evolved. I mean, we started with a very narrow kind of lease, lease portfolio management and, you know, um, the businesses that we serve, we basically target, you know, capital equipment, people who sell capital equipment with a, you know, two to, or three to five year life cycle. Okay. With a high uh, utilization of, of uh, service high utilization of consumable, you know, parts and pieces and supplies to go into the catalog and a high utilization of financial services within the selling process. So when you think about things like office equipment and technology, companies lease those things. There's a lot of parts and pieces and service that go into them. So that was really our focus. And so leasing, it was a big, I came from the leasing industry. So um, capital equipment leasing is very popular. And so it was only natural that I go after that kind of selling organization. And so our original premise was to help people manage and churn the leasing portfolio because they had disparate relationships with, le with leasing companies and it was very disorganized. And so as you can imagine, you know, if you've got a 90 to 95% probability of close, you know, and you lose some of that, I mean, that's easy, easy sales to lose if you're not organized. So we, we, we started with a very simple premise of being a CRM and a lease portfolio management. Now, of course, that's just, you know, a small piece of what we do. And our, and our, and our premise now is to really provide a comprehensive workflow platform that involves everything related to sales, but also the fulfillment process of those sales. And because a sale is just a piece of paper until you get paid, right? Yeah. <laughs> getting paid part is, is the critical part there for sure Cash so i'm curious key. with especially with technology because again we talked beforehand that's kind of my background as well it's really easy to go out and say well we could also do this piece of functionality we could bring this idea and this idea how did you go from just being the logistical part to the bigger platform now how did, how did you pick up those ideas and figure out effectively <laughs> which ones we should adopt and which ones we shouldn't you know, it's one of the lessons in business, I think, and that is, uh, is, is, you know, use your ears. I think if you listen and if you have good and you have good relationships with their customers, they'll kind of tell you where you need to go. Okay. And so we start, we, we, for example, commissions. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll throw an example out there. Our commissions module. I never thought that we would be doing commissions to be honest with you, but one day, uh, one of our large customers said, Hey, I've got this, you know, module from, someone else and it's just not working well. And so can you do something about it? And next, you know, we've got a, one of the best commissions modules out there, but the key to what we do when we, when we say we're going to add a module here or there is everything has to be integrated and integrations are really the key premise to everything that we do, because what people have traditionally done, and I say this all the time, 
we're actually a platform that replaces like five or six other software products. There's a lot of products out there and they're good products. Okay. I'm, I'm not a negative selling guy. Okay. Everybody's got something good that they do. Okay. Um, but they're not connected together and they're not one platform. So if Bobby in the fulfillment department performs an effort of work, that effort of work wants, you want that to be leveraged by the contracts department. Okay. So that the effort that they did appears in, instantaneously and seamlessly on the contracts that are being okay. Or the booking department when it's going into the ERP system. So integrations both internally and externally are just a huge part of what we do. And we've evolved by really by, by listening and by necessity, because I back years ago, I worked with GE capital. And this started way back when I kind of joke with people and say, I've been doing the same darn thing for you know 30 years. I just do it in a different way. Um, but at GE Capital, we learned very early on that there was only, we could only be so, um, so efficient, okay? There was, a, there, was a, there was a ceiling because we could only be as efficient within our operation for things that we had control of. At some point we had to go outside and make our trading partners more efficient. And that was what we referred to as the extended enterprise. And so we went to our partners and said, our customers and said, you know, this invoice thing is kind of getting out of hand. Let's see if we can automate this. And so that's where, you know, I, I learned the importance of integrations and, and the importance of listening. Yeah. Now the, the integration part is, is really key to me just seeing in, especially the smaller business world. Cause like you said, there's so many different tools out there that, 10 different email marketing platforms or whatever, but none of them are actually tied to you directly to your CRM so that you send out the email campaign. Okay. Do we actually know who clicked and who responded? Oh, they tied into our, our actual funnel and things like that. It's just, there's, you've got so many disparate systems and trying to tie those together. There's obviously several platforms that are built just to tie those together, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely. And listen, COVID is COVID has, 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 uh, created a, a, a phenomenon that I don't think anybody, Okay, um, necessarily. So I did. A, I actually did a, a, a webinar a couple months ago with the Business Technology Association, uh, talking about uh, electronic documents and and electronic signatures. And uh, I invited uh, a couple of the large finance companies, uh, Deloitte Landon and uh, Great America Finance, to join in uh, on the webinar as a panel. And we talked about how uh, how significant COVID has been in the having companies embrace technology. And I feel bad at times to tell you, 2020 was the best year of our history, okay? Our company has grown tremendously over the last year because people are pounding my door down wanting technology. Companies that never wanted it before. Companies that said to me, Tim, I don't need technology. I'm so profitable. Everybody's happy. I don't want to disrupt anybody. Those companies are calling now saying, please get in here as quickly as possible. You know, here's a blank check, help me. Yeah. And uh, that's the, the impact, the positive, you know, putting aside, we respect the negative, but the positive side of, of COVID was that the acceptance of technology and we're not going back. Okay. The uh, integrations, the automation, I mean, companies are going to be doing, I mean, I have business owners that I talk to, we're talking 20, maybe 30% fewer resources that are, they don't expect a lot of their people to come back. Okay. And so their businesses are going to grow and they're going to be doing more with less because of technology. Well, it's interesting. It's like we're, we're almost in the same boat because a lot of times I can see talking to a business owner that, yeah, things are 
things are working. It's a lot, a lot of my clients are, are very profitable companies, but it's like, okay, you're almost unprofitable in spite of yourselves. And it takes some kind of cataclysmic kind of event right there to kind of shake it up and say, wait a minute. Okay. Maybe there is a different way because I forget who the, the, the saying was, it was a, like a rear admiral, Grace Harper or something says yep. worst phrase in the English language is we've always done it that way. That, that yep. really is where people get comfortable. This is our path. This is, it's working for us, but they don't necessarily realize yep. there could be a better way out there until something it, shakes and it this, up. And this, this transformation challenges a lot of things. I mean, cultures. Okay. I, I have one company that I'm working with and, and I won't name them, but they are, we're, we're implementing some very intelligent automation. Okay. And integration, particularly on the financing side. So with some finance companies, we, we recently released a, a press release with Delagaland and, and just phenomenal delivering point of sale credit acceptance. Okay. 86% of the time within a minute. Okay. So a salesperson wants to sell something, they hit a button in sales chain and we're, they're getting a decision. Okay. From Delagaland and, and a button, here's a document, sign it electronically. Thank you very much. That is unbelievable automation. Okay. Now there are companies I, I will tell you that are scared to death of that because for example, their premise, their culture is based on customer service. And so I have co a company right now who's saying to me, Oh my gosh, Tim, you're challenging the fundamental core of our philosophy. When somebody asks us a question, can I borrow money from you? We want our salesperson to go back to that person and say, absolutely, yes, we will do that. We want to be the one to deliver the positive news. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's great, but your competition is doing it automatically in less than a minute. And they're like, I know. We're going to have to. So at the, at the director, you know, core level that, that, that is, that it's causing them to rethink their philosophy. And I'm like, I'm not making you change your business. I'm just bringing to light the reality that your business is changing. Now you're going to have to find new ways to say yes to that customer so that you maintain that relationship. But the, but the inter, that, that, that interpersonal relationship is changing. And so it's, it's a fascinating time. Oh, it did definitely is. And I'm, I'm curious, I think we touched on it just briefly, or you mentioned it earlier, the fact that even from the COVID standpoint and forcing everybody into remote, because that was a lot that I had so many companies I would be dealing with that, yeah, well, we don't we do not do remote. We Everybody has to be here. We have to be able to talk to that each other, me. kind of a thing there. And this really forced a lot of hands at that point. And I'm seeing a lot of companies to that same kind of thing saying, wait a minute, all of a sudden this works and we don't have to drop a million dollars a year on that downtown office space that we honestly don't need any more kind of a thing. So New I'm York curious City's what that... empty right now. It's a good time to get an apartment if you want an apartment in New York City. Well, yeah, there for sure, because they're all coming down here. We're, we're <laughs> booming on a real estate side. But yeah, no, it's it's interesting still just seeing that kind of fundamental shift. Because I think you said you had basically team members, four or five different states that you're not at all centrally located either. I was uh, a year or so ago. Listen, I had a hard, a steadfast rule that everybody had to be here. And uh, now um, uh, we're in, you know, three additional states or four additional states. And, and I will tell you, it's interesting, Jeff. I mean, what, the biggest challenge that uh, I'm facing as a business, it's funny. It's, it's not the challenge of growth, which, you know, you know, people were, are probably going to be shocked when they hear me say that. Growth is not my problem. Hiring people is my problem. 
I can't find people to work. And it has been, I've talked to a lot of business owners, customers and otherwise, it's very hard to find people right now. And I don't know why. I, I just, they don't want to work uh, or they, they, they don't want to leave their house. I had, you know, uh, I had seven interviews in one week, be no shows. And I, I think it's seriously because people are scared to leave their house. Yeah. Well, I can, I can see that. There's still, it's still a lot of uncertainty right now with it for sure, even though we're closing in on a third of the way through this year kind of a thing, but still a lot of uncertainty with it, but it's, it's interesting. I, so are you looking from a, uh, I guess back that up. I'm going to ask that a different question. You said, so you've got four different States right now. Is that purely technology side? Is that the support side? Is it matter at all? Cause it's, that's one thing I've seen about saying, okay, yeah, we can, leverage the remote side is that it opens up the talent pool no longer you have to yeah. look 20 mile well, radius what there I find is the drive in. Work remote for me are largely support okay and so they're back office support um and i mean they and and quite frankly they, they don't typically report to me so i have you know a manager who deals with the communication and they find it useful and they find it acceptable um the people who work for me directly, I need here. I'm just one of those. I'm an old-fashioned, touchy feel. I got to be able to walk down the hall and yell something, and 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 have everybody hear it. Um, but uh, you know, sales and marketing, you know, I think that can certainly be remote, and and to a certain extent, technology. I haven't been quite so successful with technology people being remote, but uh, I'm told that uh, I'm being encouraged to. <laughs> no, I've I've actually had a number of different software development kind of type companies, and it's been it's interesting. Everybody's got their own view on it because I've I had one that says, "Yeah, we've got outsourced operations over in uh, Europe and things like that." That type of contractor, and another one say, "Yeah, that that never works. You have to have everybody here stateside." So it's yeah, I don't think there's any kind of consistency to it for sure. But yeah, it, it can be work. But yeah, it's everybody's I got their own think, experience for sure. It's a very difficult. Um, for someone like me, okay, I have worked for myself for 30 years, okay, and um, nearly 30 years. And so it's very difficult for me to think about, you know, remote, you know, development staff and so forth. Now, there are people who have worked for big companies and so forth who have learned how to manage a team in India, wake up, or you know, and, and work in the, in, in the nighttime to be able to communicate with them. That's not something I would ever be able to do, nor do I want to. I think that... Uh, I, because also the, 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 the evolution of software, the development, I mean, we are a rapid development environment. Okay. We don't, you know, we don't take the time to six months to design something on paper because in six months time, the idea has probably been done already by somebody else. The, yeah. the, the speed at which products are developed now in today's world, technology wise is so fast you have to be ahead of the curve. So we do very rapid development. And what, what I try to do is I do kind of micro development. I do small pieces and then I accumulate them, okay, into something bigger. So I start small, validate the idea, and then expand on the idea through input, okay? Back to what we were talking about earlier, value. A product is only good if somebody's willing to pay you for it. So if I have an idea, I test the idea. And then I say, okay, if you like it, give me money, okay? And if there are people who will give me money, then we add on to it. If not, it goes on the shelf. 
No, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I think it's in some respects easier to do with technology, especially these days. But to me, that that applies any any product line. You, you don't want to go spend two or three years building out some product line, say, OK, here it is now. And your oh, crickets sure. at that point, you, the earlier you can get even small things or small ideas to market, the better, regardless yeah. of whether it's technology or not. Well, that's it. Like we just have, uh, for example, there was a couple of uh, we 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 have a couple of new products coming out, just little little products, and 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 I'm actually doing it in a in a sister company, and uh, that I'm creating called Cardalis. And um, one of the things, for example, is we have this. Uh, you know, you have a lot of these companies where they have monitors all over the buildings, okay, and they're 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 promoting, you know, Mary's birthday or Linda's closed a big deal. You know, basically screen sharing. And so we talked to a lot of people and a lot of people have talked to us and said, hey, some of the content inside of Sales Chain, could we put it into a, a monitoring display pl platform? And I said, um, sure. You know, so we, we thought about our charting and our BI tools. And what they were doing is they take a chart, save it as a PDF, put it into a PowerPoint or something, and then it's a static display. Well, well, the reports are changing constantly. So we ended up creating... A, uh, a, a, a product, uh, a screen sharing product, which we're gonna be announcing here in a few weeks. And uh, it is the simplest little tool. And I can bring that to market at half the price of everybody else and, uh, and, and provide value and provide service and, and have a nice little product. And where that product goes in six to 12 months, who knows? No, but it's it's still, and I think you touched on it right there. It's like, okay, how can we provide value? Always looking at a way to provide value right there. And it kind of goes back to what you're saying about always listening because just because saying, hey, this is our product line that we're going to be, I guess, originally logistics management kind of a thing there. And that's really starting to listen to the customer, listen to your uh, customer and your employees, both on the ground. I think you were talking about a a story earlier and then get you to repeat or whatever here about going out when you could going out and, and meeting on customer sites face to face and the difference between talking to the the senior management and the other people there <laughs> absolutely I, I you know as a you know i love visiting clients and and i i can't wait to get back to that okay here pretty soon but um, one of my one of my little secrets is i always as a software guy i know where the coffee machine is in every one of my customers and I, when I, I, I always go to get a cup of coffee and I always go myself on, let me, I'll help myself. You don't have to serve me because on the side, what it allows me to do is it allows me to walk around and meet people and listen and see what's really happening behind the closed doors. And you meet people and you listen to people and you hear things that you don't hear from the ownership. And so I learn a lot about the business and then I'm able to go back to the boardroom and say, you know, I think we need to listen to these people over here because the problem that we're trying to solve isn't necessarily being caused by what we think it's being caused by, but it may be being influenced by the lack of information sharing or the assumption of information sharing. People do a lot of things that they think they need to do that they really don't need to do, but they just do it because they've always done it that way. Yeah, no, it's interesting because it's, to me, that's one of the challenges as the company grows, even for internal, because when you were small, when you were five, six players, kind of a thing there, it's much easier to have a full pulse on everything going on in the business. And now once we start growing, we start adding these levers of levels of management, all of a sudden it can be 
two or three levels between senior leadership and the front line. And oh that my goodness, yes. I, I have one of my favorite customers, and and I have said time and time again to, that that this beautiful building, you know, and it's it's very attractive, and it's lots of smart people in it, and I tell them all the time, um, if it was my building, if I could if I could do anything, I would knock a bunch of these walls down because there's a lot of kingdoms. And a lot of people who need to listen to the people on the other side of the walls. And I think that there's no better, you know, there's no better tool than just a magnifying glass looking into the business and having people see with. And that's why a lot of times owners bring people like me in, because I have the ability to see things and then bring to them, uh, you know, uh, the message. And it's interesting, you know, and then also with our software. You know, as I, I, I say all the time, you can't fix something if you don't measure it, right? If you don't have an eyeglass in to look at something, and I'll never forget, we implemented our, 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 uh, our delivery workflow automation system, which is a fulfillment process, with one of our very large customers a number of years ago. And he asked, he, he was challenged because he, he's like, my people just are not communicating well. And so he's like, would you come in? and oversee the project for designing the workflow and so forth. And I said, okay. And um, so I did that. And then six months later, we're, we're in a boardroom reviewing six months of results. And it was the most fascinating, all these managers, you know, it's a, it's a East Coast, you know, business. So it's like, you know, a lot of explanation, a lot of expletives yeah, being yelled, very loud people. And in the middle of the room is this opera, this, this, this VP smiling with his hands crossed, kind of leaned back in the chair. And I looked at him, I said, is everything okay? And he's like, Tim, six months ago, we couldn't have this conversation. And it was all because we were looking at measurements and it's, that's the rewarding part of what I do. Yeah, no, and it really comes back to knowing what's going on in the business kind of a thing, just from having mm -hmm. a pulse on it, that it's, uh, we actually talked before we got on the air, talking about the, the idea of having a, be able to take a vacation and it's it goes back to that of just saying, OK, do you have a pulse on the business enough that you're comfortable taking a vacation? Because a lot of times you just don't. To me, it's the lack of clarity that falls into yeah. so many businesses, especially once you start growing, you lose more and more of that just because you're further away from it. And without having that clarity into what's going on in a company, for that matter, the clarity of one person's role, talking to another person, who, who's in charge of this, who's accountable for this, you, you lose so much efficiency at that point. Just because, okay, three people accountable for something really means nobody's accountable for it at that yeah. point. And it's, it just goes down that path worse yeah. and worse as it grows if you're not careful. Yeah. Well, one, of, one of my customers who uh, I, I cherish and I respect gratefully is uh, C CEO Tom Flesh, uh, CEO of Gordon Flesh. And, uh, you know, he says you know, his, the most important thing is delegation. You have to be to learn and you have to be willing to delegate, let, empower people with a, with the responsibility to do a job and let them do it and i think that that is just so important and it's something as a ceo as an entrepreneur i have to remind myself of and learn every day how to do it better but i, I i'm also blessed with a couple of people who have been with me a very long time and i trust you know jennifer with everything I have, and I trust Daniel with everything I have to run, you know, the businesses, the segment of the businesses that they run. And, you know, it, it allows me to take a day off, like you said, uh, vacations are important. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's trust is very, trust is very important. It's something you learn, I think. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It's 
I, I never intentionally steer the conversation around to that, but almost every guest I have on somehow comes back to delegation. The delegation just seems to be the the, the, the biggest yeah, challenge right there with most entrepreneurs right there is how, how do we get beyond ourselves and feel comfortable that yes, we handed this off and now I can really let go of it. It's not a hand it off and then keep keep checking, keep monitoring, micromanage it effectively. Kind of well, it's funny. I joke all the time that said you know, with, with my guys and say, is it, am I allowed to fire myself today? Is today the day that I get to fire myself and, and go go by the lake house? And th they haven't said yes yet, but uh, I'm hoping <laughs> one day they do. Well, hopefully so, because that's, <laughs> well, it really is, because I, I look at that to the other side. I, I've got a friend that does exit planning and stuff like that, and he's, he's always looking at like, okay, whether the exit's five years or the exit's 25 years, at some point it's going to happen, and the better you can get stabilized for that, the better you can plan for that, because too many times in smaller businesses, everything's in the owner's head at that point, and they, they look and, and say, I'm going to go sell this, and it's like, there's nothing to sell. Before, Jeff, and that is that the... You know, having people here, um, it, it, as difficult in today uh, today's time it, it is, okay, having people here, it's important because you just osmosis. People see and learn the details when they're involved in in the non formal conversations, the instantaneous whiteboard conversation where you know I have an idea. I talk, I get off the phone with a group of customers or dealers and I have an idea and I throw it on a whiteboard that those types of, of, of opportunities to communicate are so valuable to having that transfer of culture occur, that, that, that transformational process where somebody who is started off as a customer service agent and grows into a manager and a leader you know, they learn from seeing and be par being part of those conversations. And, and, and that's, uh, that's hard. But at the same time, it's, it's wonderful to see, you know, a young person evolve. I mean, I have a young a lady who works for me now, and she's just a rock star. And I, and I listen, sometimes I sneak out into the, the bullpen, and I'll, I'll just listen to see. And, and, and to see and hear her speak is just a, for somebody who didn't know anything about our business a few years ago. It's, it's wonderful to see. Yeah, and it's it's definitely from a cultural standpoint, from a, a just a communication standpoint, the remote work definitely brings more challenges to it. To me, you just got to be that much more intentional about it. But yeah, it's it's always been a case. I even look at stuff like this. There's there's so much difference. Yeah, technically, we can have a conversation over Zoom, over a remote thing like this. And even from a sales perspective, it probably makes sales more efficient in some respects. But still, the, the difference between having a conversation like this versus being face to face with somebody in the same room is just so much different right there. Just oh, it's terrible. I it's 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 at the at the same time that it's terribly efficient. It's terribly inefficient in the sense yeah. that, you know, nothing replaces the as I as, as, as I always say, when I'm doing a meeting and I'm doing a presentation and I'm trying to sell something. OK, when you're there in the boardroom. You can you can see you can smell you can you can just see who's paying attention and who's not, and if somebody's nodding off or if somebody's multitasking or if somebody's kind of got a side conversation going, you know it and you're able to stop it and address it. Whereas on Zoom, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the downside of of this remote selling now is I think that in many cases it's prolonged the selling cycle. In some cases, it speeds it up, but in other cases, it's prolonged it, especially with the more indecisive uh, customer. Interesting. Yeah, because I've, I've heard a couple people from the sales standpoint saying, 
Yeah, effectively, we'd use it for a couple of the sales engagements, maybe a few additional discovery calls kind of a thing, but still almost the close for sure. We definitely want to be in person, do the, the actual presentation in person kind of a thing. So it's really hard to read people, you know, over a Zoom. And, and a lot of times they don't have cameras on, too. So um, and I'm always I'm always leery to do a big presentation, but you have to now. So now I have no choice. Yeah, no, I, that's that's one. I really hate the. The webinars and stuff like that where effectively you're you're doing a talk straight to the camera and there's like mm -hmm. you said three-fourths people got cameras off at that point you're really not talking to anybody you're not getting any feedback from an audience but yeah at least with coaching sessions that's a requirement for sure you've, you've got everybody's got to have yeah. camera we're all but now i will tell you uh, as we were saying earlier before we started uh, this the whole concept of social media and and marketing and video marketing and these podcasts I am, I'm just terribly impressed with what we've been able to do as a company. My son, Matthew, came on as the marketing manager. I mean, he's a, he's a young guy out of school, you know, got a strategic communications degree, and he, he's into all this stuff for, for years. I was like, stay away from social media. I don't understand it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to say anything stupid. So I'd rather say nothing than say something bad. So I stayed away from it for a long time. But now we're here today talking, Jeff. Um, We've done these, I mentioned uh, Matthew uh, uh, put together these, uh, produced uh, these Coffee with Tim videos, which we've gotten a tremendous amount of feedback on. People I never thought would be listening to these things are like, hey, when's the next one coming out? And so uh, it's, 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 it's an amazing new medium uh, for us to communicate. And more and more people want to, even on the sales side, as we were talking, they'll say to me, Tim, do you have videos on this? Because... I see what and hear what you're saying, but I want to look at these things in my own time. And so we put a whole library of videos together with, with Matthew's help to uh, help sell different parts and pieces of the system so that they could look at them on their own time. And it's working marvelously. Well, it, it, I think that goes back to just the different types of people. And I'm very much the, the, the full dig into the details, make sure I really understand all the pieces, slower decision maker kind of a thing where having the videos, having additional stuff, white papers, et cetera, would definitely work better with me versus having more of the, the high alpha kind of type that, hey, I'm gonna make a decision right here. We're just conversation, we're ready to go. Probably works a little bit more traditionally. So it's, it gives you the opportunity if nothing else to hit different types of people in, in their lane. Yeah, my business, I mean, I have, um, my customers have been affected by, by this technology much sooner than I was, okay? They have been dealing with a much more, as we say, informed customer than ever before. I mean, people who are buying technology, they do their research, they do their comparisons, they're able to see what products are out there and what the prices of those products are. And so they've been dealing with it much more so than I, I was always a traditionalist. You want to buy my product, talk to a salesperson do a demonstration, shake our hands and meet, and for the most part, meet face to face. Um, but that's all changed. And, and actually, I kind of like being home. So I haven't traveled nearly as much. There, there are some pluses to it, but at the same time, because I get what you say there, because there's so many different tools out there that I can literally go to their website, sign up for it, have an account instantly and be on it without ever talking to a single person. But at the same time, that's a double-edged sword to me because it's so easy to get into them it's probably just as equally easy to yeah. forget about it, to get out. Whereas if you've got more of a relationship built with them, mm -hmm. then it's, it's, it's got a little bit more, more connection right there. More, like I said, more of a relationship, whether it's on the support side, on the sales side, whatever, they're actually real people here that I can talk to rather than just a, a little chat bot in the corner kind of a thing. Yep, exactly. So 
unfortunately running a little bit long. I was having too much fun with this kind of a thing here, but always like kind of coming back at the end just to say, hey, obviously you've been in business here for close to 20 years, second business around. You've probably probably learned a few lessons along the way. Is there anything that kind of comes to mind to say, hey, if I'd just done this earlier or tried this earlier, knew about this earlier, things might've been a little bit different? Absolutely. You know, with, with a few gray hairs, you learn a few things. And, and I think that, uh, I think the, my main lesson in life and, and, and I, I tell all the people that work for me is, is to be humble and to, and to listen and, and know when you made a mistake. Okay. And it's interesting. I say this because um, I have a very large customer that I, I was losing and it was, it was a situation where I didn't listen and it really bothered me. Okay. And so one day I picked up the phone and I went to talk with the uh, owner of the company and I apologized. And I said, you know, I made a mistake. I didn't listen. And if there's anything, any chance, any way you would give me another chance, I would love to earn your business back. And, and I still have that customer today. And, 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 and it is all because I was humble and, and, and we make mistakes. And sometimes people are just too darn proud to say, I made a mistake. That, it was the customer's fault. No, it wasn't. It was my fault. And so that's a lesson I learned. And, you know, looking in the mirror and, and you, have to, you have to be able to look in the mirror and say, you know, you like what you see. And, and sometimes you have to be able to say, I made a mistake. I got to go fix it. And that's a lesson that I teach man owners all the time. Because they say to me, you know, I got to do this, I got to do this. And I say, listen, one of the hardest decisions that a business owner has to make is a change in direction. I did something and I realize now that it was the wrong thing. Now, I could be arrogant and I could, I could force my people to deal with it and live with it just because I spent $50,000 on a piece of software. If it's not working, get rid of it and get one that does work. And that's a hard, a lot of, a lot of owners have a real hard time with that. And, but, uh, but I think again, that's a lesson I learned over time. And I share that with, with, with a lot of my customers. And I think it's something that uh, is an important lesson for everybody to know. No, I would definitely agree. It's, it's, and really to me, it's two parts. It's the humble side of saying, yes, I can make a mistake, but it's also the listening component because so often, especially early on, the company's our baby. This is, this is what we put together. This is all of our blood and sweat and everything that went into it. And having somebody else come in with a different idea and saying, well, that's not my idea. I'm going to dismiss that. It might actually be a better idea because they, hey, they've some, they're seeing something you're not or they're hearing something you're not kind of a thing there. And we, that can were, be saying earlier, we were saying earlier, uh, you know, there's a lot of good ideas out there, but that doesn't mean that they're all going to be viable businesses. OK, you can have a great product, but if nobody wants to pay you for it, it's not a great product because, you know, you can't make a living at it. So, just, you know, it's it's OK to make mistakes. And, 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 you know, Jack Welsh, I, I was in the GE, you know, Jack Welsh era GE. OK, and making mistakes was 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 never frowned upon. OK, you tried. To, it was a good idea. We tried it. And then we determined that it wasn't a great idea. So, OK, put it aside and move forward. And I think that that's something that everybody has to, I mean, if you don't get a skin knee once in a while, are you living life? Yeah. You know? no, it's, it's, I think it was actually Google that I heard recently was talking about, okay, effectively bringing some of their KPIs, some of their benchmarks down to encourage overreaching goals, to encourage people to try to reach out and try new things 
because you weren't held to basically saying, okay, everything you do has got to at least be an 80% success. Like, no, bring it down to 60, bring it down to 50 so that people will try something more instead of basically building their goals safe to say, okay, I'm, I'm almost certain I can do this in order to meet my, my marks, my benchmarks here. It's like, Hey, challenge, go out and go out and try something new. And yeah, it's going to fall apart, but that's fine. You tried it and we want the next one. So yeah, I love that. Exactly. But the, uh, you know, it's like, what was it? Michael Jordan who said, you know, everybody, everybody knows me because I, and they talk about the, uh, the, you know, 50 or 75 or hundred, whatever, you know, buzzer beating, you know, points that he made to win the game, but they don't talk about the 150 um, shots that I missed, right? Yeah. <laughs> At the buzzer. So, you know, I think that uh, we all have to try things in order to succeed and, and, uh, and uh, you know, life is good. So that's how no. I see it. All good. No, I appreciate it for sure. And that's, that's something that probably all of us can use whether we're business owners or not, honestly, but yeah, all good. So if people want to go find more about sales chain or about you, where's the, where's the best resources for them to go find you? Well, we are sales chain is, is can be found very easily at www.saleschain.com. And uh, our phone numbers are, and contact information are all on that site. So We'd love to hear from anybody who wants to talk about business and efficiency. And uh, Jeff, I really look forward or, or thank you for the opportunity to talk. I've enjoyed the conversation. I have as well. It's been fun. So yeah, we'll definitely get all the links right here below. So everybody can jump on it and find you and learn a little bit more. But no, it sounds like fun. Again, just my technology background like that. It's I, I understand where you're coming from and the the efficiencies. Rarely have I ever run into a business that that is operating at true efficiency kind of a thing. There's always areas for, for improvement. So always definitely check it out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. See you later. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.